Hi, my name's Kevin. Welcome to our weekly Maison Mission program. This is episode number 22. Maison Mission is an inclusive faith community. The word Maison comes from a Greek word that means greater. The Maison Mission is about finding greater spaces for people to hear and experience the good news of Jesus. You can find out more about Maison Mission by visiting MaisonMission.com or through the links in the description of this program. Good morning, uh, Maison Missioners. Uh, I am Levi Lowry here uh, with Kevin Bruschert, and we want to just sit down and have a conversation about the kingdom of God. I feel like we're in week 67 of this series on the kingdom of God, and uh, we just thought that we would sit down and, and have a conversation. We've said this almost every single week, but when Jesus started his earthly ministry, he kept going around saying, hey, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. Like he was preaching the kingdom of God, the the good news of the kingdom of God. And, And then he is crucified and buried and resurrected. And then in Acts 1, chapter 3, uh, you know, it says that he appeared to his disciples. He gave many convincing proofs that he was indeed alive, and he preached about the kingdom of God. So that was his thing. And I did a little bit of research, and the word kingdom is used 162 times in just the gospel accounts 162 times and almost every time it is connected with uh, kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven and so obviously that many times it, it's a huge thrust but I'm almost convinced that we enjoy talking about the kingdom of God we enjoy listening to sermons about the kingdom of God more than we do actually living into it or bringing it here why do you think that is? Like, why are we more content to listen, to talk, than we are to, like, live it out? Uh, it's funny you bring this up, because I've been thinking about this a lot, too. And whenever I think about anything that happens in the Bible, I've kind of, I've kind of relearned to always think about what was going on at the time. And so when I look back at what, like, the people who experienced Jesus firsthand, the disciples, you know... Um, anybody who was alive at that time, and I think about, like, early Christians, you know, the whole thing was about them declaring this kingdom of God, right? Like, the reason that that Christians were being killed by the Roman Empire after, you know, after Christ um, died, rose again, and ascended, and then the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, like, this, it ignited this movement, this church movement just, just went, it, it went crazy, they couldn't kill the Christians fast enough. Like, like, like it was such a threat. And I think about that. I was like, what is so threatening about a bunch of people being really nice and loving everyone, right? Like, like what, what, what is that? And why is that kingdom so threatening? It's because you can't control it. It's because you can't. And I think that where we've, so when we look at where they were and we look at where we are now, I can't help, and this is going to sound pretty provocative, but I can't help but think that maybe we've been wooed into a slumber that distracts us from the power of that original kingdom by giving us this sort of, 
Well, if we get a, if we get everybody to think about the kingdom as this thing that only happens after you die, mm. then you're going to be less inclined to do anything really threatening to our control and power now in this world. And so I, I know that's pretty provocative, but, but I, I think about these things a lot. I think about, you know, why is that? Why, why don't we think about the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven now, right here in our midst? Like I was telling you earlier before we started recording and how the kingdom of God is in, it's, in, it, it's either within you or through you. Some translations say it's in, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Like that's very different than praying a prayer and asking God to save you so you can be in heaven with him when you die, right? Like that's a very, those are different. Oh, totally. Those are totally different paradigms, but yet we've conflated the two in such a weird way that I, I have to look back and say like in 2000 years of church history, we must have, something must have gotten in the way here or, or tripped us up because why would you die? Like why would you risk your life to tell people about how good this kingdom is. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I'm totally it's, with it's, you. It's crazy. you. You saying that reminds me, I was having a conversation uh, with my buddy Owen. He, he's, he just, I think he just turned 10 years old and is interested in, in baptism. And as I was having this conversation with him, I said, you know, the interesting thing about baptism is uh, back in Jesus' day, it was actually an act of defiance against the, the Roman Empire, right? It was saying, hey, right. I am not uh, allegiant to Rome. I am allegiant to Christ, his kingdom, and all that he stands for, you know? And I don't know how much sense that makes to um, a 10-year-old, but uh, man, when I was baptized at 10, like, I think if somebody would have told me, like, hey, this is has roots in like being an act of defiance, you know, against something, but also something that you're, you're saying, hey, I am with, I'm putting my trust, my faith in. And there are so many other things that are like pulling for our allegiance. And this, is, this really is unscripted. We've done these things kind of before where they're, they're kind of outlined. This one is, is more free flow, but where do you see in 2020, 2021, the last 10 years, what are the things that are pulling for our allegiance? For those of us who say, hey, I'm Christian, um, I follow the ways of Jesus, I'm all in on this kingdom thing, what are the things that are pulling in our, our lives, in our culture, for that title? What's competing with the kingdom of God to actually be the thing that is kingdom in our life? So my number one to answer that question is always going to be attention, right? So, so, so what is the fight? What, what, is, what is everybody fighting for right now is, is attention. Like, like, like who is getting my attention? Who's getting my time? Because we've already, we've already dominated all of our money. We've already dominated every, every, other, every other asset that humanity has has been swallowed up by something else. The only thing left is your time, right? And so, so the big asset is, is, is time and attention. Where do you spend your time or what do you, how are you, and not just spending your time, but like, like, where are you investing your, your time and your efforts and your, you know, your treasures, I guess, is that, yeah, if that makes sense. That's good. I'm actually glad that you went there. We're just going to segue there. Uh, I recently preached one of your sermons, and I even said it, like when I preached it, I was like, hey, anything that's good here, like Kevin said a couple years ago, and 
you talk about the word, you just used it, um, our treasures, that, that they aren't what we do, they're who we are. And I, I loved that, that you talked about the, there's easy ones that, what are, what, what are our treasures? Wealth, power, um, influence, some of these things. And we can inherently think, well, those are bad, right? Well, those are just automatically bad. Not so fast. They just are. It's, it's the motivation behind them that kind of determines uh, whether they're, they're good or bad, right? And so, yeah. yeah and I lo- no, and I loved, uh, actually, you, when you were, um, when you used that illustration, you shared about your friend Chris Fields and the fact that here's somebody who has totally leveraged his influence, right? All of, all of the relationships and connections and network that he has, he, when he sees a need in his community or anything that he really is ne- close to or near to, he leverages those relationships and those connections to make stuff happen. Like, like we've got to get this done. And, it, and it's kingdom work. Like, the stuff he's doing is kingdom stuff. You know, a lot of people would say, oh, influence or, or having influence or being an influential person that's not necessarily a bad thing it could be it it it, it can be a good thing when it's used when you use that influence to to sow good in the world i think that can be really powerful i agree and when i went back and listened to when you preached a sermon a couple of years ago you said something along the lines of a friend of mine named john middendorf uh, who pastors out in oklahoma city and you're the only two that i've can remember saying anything like this. He, he was preaching a sermon, and he said something along the lines of, and I actually wrote this down. He says, often it's not the bad things of this world that are keeping us from God's best for us or fully living into the kingdom of God. I think we could say that. He said it's often good things disguised as God's best things that keep us from God's best for us. And we listed some things off that uh, there are some things that we can put, if we're going to go dualism, that, oh, these are good. You know, my kids are important. My spouse is important. My charity work is important. And all those things are good, but it works the same way, right? Like if those things have an improper balance in our lives, if they're, if they're not sold out to the kingdom, it can be bad. We can make an idol of these things. We can make an idol of our marriage relationship. We can make an idol of our kids. We can make an idol of our charitable work. And so uh, I, those things cause me to reflect, right? And say, wow, just because it seems noble doesn't mean that it is. It's like the, it's like, I always think about like the rich young ruler or pretty much anybody that Jesus came in contact with and they wanted to follow him, and, and he always challenged them in the things that he knew were the pressure points for those for those situations. So, like the rich young ruler was like, "Well, you gotta you gotta sell everything, right?" <laughs> like, like, like you know. Or there's other instances where Jesus tells other people, like, you know, yeah, you gotta give up your family. Like, like he says that to some people. That's like we don't want we don't want to admit that Jesus said that, but he said that. Like, like you're gonna have to give up your family. You're gonna have to give up these relationships to follow me. Like, and and I think that that was Jesus specifically kind of pushing on those pressure points that you're talking about. Those places where where the, it's not saying that family's bad. It's saying that that 
maybe maybe you are valuing that more than you should, and maybe you need to re reorder your priorities. You know what I'm saying? Right. And there's that psalm that says, "Delight in the Lord, and He." will give you the desires of your heart. Right. Right. I think we like to focus on the second part, like, oh, God, he wants to give me the desires of my heart. Yeah. It's, <laughs> he has it's, good things, <laughs> good things for me. I didn't know All we were going to... All the time, it's always good things. <laughs> I didn't know right? we were going to sing. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, it, the first part of that is the key, right? Right. Delight in the Lord, like find your joy in the Lord. Right. And even going back to the, the two parables that were in the Blockbuster sermon, um, where Jesus is like, uh, the kingdom of, of God is like uh, the treasure, you know, that was right. buried in a field and a man like joyfully sold all he had to acquire it. You know, it's like the man who was searching for pearls and found the biggest, most beautiful pearl and, and did uh, sold everything uh, to acquire it. And I came across this uh, quote from C.S. Lewis. He said, we are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And I think that's kind of it, right? Like, we, how often do we settle for something less than... God's best for his his full kingdom like being birthed uh, all around us and you made mention of it uh, earlier uh, about uh, even in the Lord's prayer your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and uh, I you've talked to me a lot about a, a friendship of yours uh, with Dan Green who who recently passed away and and I asked you if we could we could go here a little bit but this guy seemed to just exude kingdom stuff. Like he, he doesn't, at some point he was not content to be a half-hearted creature willing to make mud pies, right? Like he, he sold it all, went all in on the kingdom. And so every now and then we, we get to, to meet these people who personify this. And, and, you know, I, I know we have limited time, but like, what was it about Dan? I really wish that you had met Dan. Me too. I mean, I, and that was, we had even talked about bringing Dan in to do some things and, and with Maison and, and oh man, there was something about being in a room with Dan, just even being around him. He, I've never seen, I've never experienced or, or met anybody who just loved with every part of their being like Dan did. Like, like, and so, um, he didn't have to say anything. He could just look at you and like, you just felt God's love through this guy. I don't know if that makes sense. I know that sounds over spiritualized, but I think yeah, it's no. really true. I, I don't think you can over-spiritualize when we're talking about the kingdom of God, right. like personified yeah. as somebody. Uh, maybe the mistake we've made is like taking the spiritual out of everything, right? Yeah. Like trying to, to make everything not feel so spiritual. Yeah, and I have to say like a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that I share about, especially like I've, I, several times at Maison I've shared this and those have followed my ministry for a little bit. You've heard me speak a lot about that you know, the Genesis 1 versus Genesis 3, and about how if you were raised like me, you were kind of, you started in the Genesis 3 kind of mode, you know, where it's like, you're bad, you're never going to be good, 
thank God for Jesus, because now you're saved, right? So that was sort of the, that's the construct of, of salvation started there. That was the foundation. And, and Dan Green was really the first person to, to show me that, no, no, it's, it, it started before that. There was this other thing that happened, this original blessing, you know, in, in Genesis 1, where he creates, you know, all of these things, and he says that they're good, and he comes to man, and he says it's very good, right? And, and, and that there's this sort of original blessing with the creation, and there's this love and this connection with humanity that, that no other being, no other created thing in the universe has with God. Like, and that, this is all in Scripture. It's really wild. But then when you, when you see that, and then you superimpose that over Genesis 3, it reads totally different, right? It's like, it's like rereading something you've read a thousand times and seeing the words jump off the page in a different way because the first time I heard Dan ever speak anywhere, he, he, he told this story and he says, imagine this picture of, of, of Jesus coming into the garden in the cool of the day and he just cries out, Adam, where are you? Like this, 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 this desire of him to just want to be with his child, right? And Adam saying, "I'm, I'm, I'm, I'm over here. I'm, I'm, I'm naked." Well, who told you you were naked? See, it, it, it reads different. God isn't like mad, right? Because that's what I was taught. I was taught yeah. like God's mad. He's so just ticked off at yeah, all he's of like this. Stomping he's through the stomping through the garden, just like raw fee fi fo fum, right? Like, and that's the picture I always had. But like, all of a sudden, he's telling the story. It's like, well, who told you you were naked? Like, you know, because it's not God's problem. Right. The problem is now humanity sees itself naked. Like, it's see, like you, that's the problem. The problem to be solved is how we see ourselves and how we see God has been distorted by sin. It's not that God can't be in the same room with us or that he can't hang out with us or that he loves us less or that the relationship's so broken that we can't fix it. Right. Like, that's not it. It's, 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 God loves us so much. Like, he loves us so much. And that was the thing I saw when, when I heard Dan tell that story for the first time. It was this, this guy who was just like, he saw a part of who God was in a way that I just had never considered and it was like he embodied all of that, all of that love, that passion, that like, and I remember ministry time, that first time I saw Dan speak, um, he did some ministry time at the end and he was praying for some people and I went forward to, to receive prayer and he didn't even pray. He didn't even say anything. He just put his hands on my shoulder and he looked into my face and I just fell apart, Right? It was like God was looking right into my soul in that moment. And something broke in me. Like God, God did some work in my heart that day. Yeah. And uh, it was just really powerful. Dan was a really special person. And, and um, you know, I've done since then, since, since, since knowing Dan over the last decade or so, we, we've, we have done some uh, conferences. Um, we did a conference in South Carolina. We had talked about doing another conference in Florida. And then COVID, and then, yeah. you know, but yeah. yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, um, just hearing you talk about that uh, gives me hope and vision for 
Maison, uh, Maison Mission, right? Because when you're retelling that story uh, in the garden, my mind automatically goes fast forwards to 2021. And I can't imagine how many people are living in Gainesville who are kind of sitting there, uh, not connected to anything that has to do with church or religion or Christianity, maybe especially. And I think, wow, those, the, the people who are like displaced or have felt rejected or feel like square peg round hole, we've used that, that image a lot. And I just wonder how many people in this town, like a mid-sized town, need that, that love, right? That need, and it's not a tough love. Like when, when I look at who felt comfortable around Jesus, I mean, it was tax collectors. It was, it was the crippled. It was the blind. It was those who had been rejected by uh, the establishment. It, it was, you know, women of ill repute, uh, if you will. It was, you know, even in his teachings in the, the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Like, those aren't sad people. Those are like spiritually destitute people. Like, he's saying, no, God is on your side. And I think for a faith community, that gets at the heart of May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I know we haven't even unpacked this a lot, but we kind of have three words that undergird uh, Maison Mission. Belong, believe, become. And I think it's, and they're in that order for a specific reason, right? Like you don't have to believe so that you belong and then you become, you know, like a little cookie cutter Maison Christian. That, that's not the idea. The idea is that you are so loved when you come into this community, that whether you ever believe like us or become what maybe we, a traditional Christ follower looking person, right? Um, that, that you have a place to belong. Like if, if you don't ever get beyond that, like you have community here and we will love you and uh, you're not a project for us. You know, I never saw Jesus treating people like projects. Like, oh, if I can just save their soul, you know. No, he just embraced their humanity and and where they were. And man, I I hope to see us live that out, to live into those words from the Lord's Prayer. You know, I when we started this thing off back in December, I I talked about, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the island of misfit toys and, and the fact that, you know, how many people feel like they don't fit in especially at church in 2021 like there's a lot of people who don't they feel like the misfits they feel like they don't fit in because they are seeing a version of and I call it a version of Christianity because I don't I don't know if it's really the true Christianity that 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 maybe Jesus intends us to to follow or at least the church that that Jesus intends us to build but but I think that there's just a lot of people where things aren't adding up and they feel displaced. They don't feel like they fit in. They don't feel like they belong. And I think Maison has such an opportunity, at least in this city, to open some doors to let people come in and ask some of those hard questions. What does Jesus think about Christian nationalism? What does Jesus think about, you know, 
Black Lives Matter. What does Jesus think about LGBTQ inclusivity? What, 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 where can I go to process these questions and not get force-fed a, a pill <laughs> to swallow so that you can fall in line with the status quo? Right. Um, and I think that that's, for me, that's the exciting thing is, is creating space. That's what we say every week. We say we're creating greater spaces for people to hear and experience the good news of Jesus. Like that's how we do it is by creating spaces for people to ask and have those hard conversations in love and in support and in connection and in belonging. Like yep. it's so good. Right. And so that's, I mean, if there's any party thought I have is just my excitement for the future of Maison Mission. Yeah. Like we're doing it. Like it's happening. It's, yep. it's, it's, you know, you and I are starting to see the beginnings of, of the potential of what, I, I don't want to see what could be. I think it's already happening. I think it's here. We're just, we just have to keep walking it out. Yep. You know? No, that's a, that's a good word. That's yeah. a good word. How about I close us in prayer and we call this thing. Yeah. A wrap. Well, thanks so much for listening. This has been good. Yeah, I hope they're still there listening, actually. I hope so, too. <laughs> God, we don't understand uh, why your whole plan <laughs> involves us. Uh, we're so imperfect. Uh, we get it wrong so much of the time, but uh, it seems like you don't have a plan B, that, that you established uh, the church uh, to be ambassadors, uh, to bring heaven to the here and now. And uh, we mess it up sometimes, and sometimes we get it right. But Father, would you lead and guide uh, Maison Mission as we move forward uh, in partnering with you uh, to be ambassadors, uh, to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and to here and now? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you give us wisdom? Would you give us tremendous amounts of love to just pour out? in this city and beyond. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. A few reminders before you go. House Church and Maison Meetup groups are starting up soon. These are great ways for you to stay connected and to live out the Maison mission. If you're interested in hosting or leading a house church, or if you want to start a special interest meetup group, email us at info at maisonmission.com. We're ready to start moving the mission forward with you. Maison Mission is a non-denominational church. These programs and conversations are only possible through the financial support and donations from people like you. If our program encouraged you today, consider supporting the Maison Mission with a one-time gift or on a recurring basis. You can give through maisonmission.com and follow the link to give you can also text the dollar amount to 84321 and follow the links to Maison Mission. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a fantastic week.